Gracious Father, as we hear your word, as we study your word, we pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive, that you would build in us a thriving faith, and that would follow the Lord Jesus all the days of our lives. We ask this in his holy name. Amen. I invite you to please be seated. I would imagine everybody in here probably has a phone that you have to enter a code to get into. And if you enter the wrong code, it won't let you in. And if you continue to enter the wrong code, it will eventually lock you out for a certain period of time. I think all of my children, when they were younger at one point or another, tried to get into a phone or an iPad and tried to do it multiple times. And the way I knew it was multiple times is by the time I got a hold of it, it would say something like, try again in two minutes. Because they had hit that code so many times wrong. I read a story about a woman in China named Lu, whose two-year-old son got a hold of her phone, and he locked it for 48 years. <laughs> Apple told her the only thing she could do was to completely erase everything and start over. <laughs> 48 years. I don't know how many times you have to enter that code wrong to get to that point, but I'm so thankful that mine has only been five minutes at the most, I think. But to get in, you have to have that code. And it doesn't matter how strong you are or how technologically advanced you are or how old you are or anything else. If you want to get into the iPhone and it has a code, you have to enter the code. I want to talk about a code for prayer. As we continue this series in prayer, we've talked about the heart of prayer being us talking to our Father. We've talked about an attitude of prayer being humility, that God listens to humble prayers. This morning, I want to talk about a particular code, a key, that without this, you should expect nothing. And with it, you could expect anything. It's a single word, faith. Faith is the code. And I want to give you a sentence this morning, but I want to slowly build it. Each point will simply add on to the sentence. The first part of it is this. Faith is enough. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. You'll find it on page 1444. Mark chapter 11. Faith is enough. And if you wonder how important faith is, there are a couple of stories that happen in the Gospels that give us an idea of the power that faith has. At one point, Jesus goes into a town, his hometown, and he can't do any miracles there because they have no faith. There's a point where Peter is walking on the water. He is actually himself walking on the water. 
And then he begins to doubt and he begins to sink. There's a point where someone needs a demon cast out of a child and the disciples cannot do it and Jesus says it's a lack of faith. Faith is really, really powerful. But I want you to start with this. Faith is enough. So Mark 11.44, down in verse 22. Jesus says this, have faith in God. Now he says this as a response to a couple of weird things that have been going on. And I want to give you this background because it helps understand what he means by saying this. The disciples have come upon a fig tree, and Jesus has cursed the fig tree because it had no figs. Mark lets us know in his gospel it's not the season for figs, like they shouldn't have had any figs. And yet Jesus comes up to this tree, and he appears very put out by this tree. But it has no figs, even though it's not the season for figs, and he curses it. Then he goes into the temple, and he begins to cast people out, the money changers, He says, you have made my father's house a den of robbers. And he turns over tables and he runs people out. Then as they're coming back the next day, and this is that they left in the evening. He comes back in the morning and he sees the tree and Peter's like, wow, look what's happened. And then Jesus has these words, have faith in God. Now, I give you all of that brief background because I want you to hear this point. Jesus was not confused about the seasons. When he came upon that fig tree, it wasn't, have you ever forgotten like a day or something and thought, oh my gosh, it's already Wednesday. Has that ever happened to you? But have you ever done this? Oh my gosh, I've forgotten. Summer is completely done and I'm in a whole new season. Yeah, that doesn't happen. You don't forget seasons. It's not like Jesus walked up to the tree and he was confused for a moment. Jesus has been telling parables over and over again. He does a physical parable with this fig tree. Because when he goes into the temple, they should be producing fruit. And instead, what they are doing, when he says, den of robbers, it's a reference back to Jeremiah And it means this. Here's what's happening in the temple. If you live far away, you would still travel to the temple to make your sacrifices. However, you want to make sure that the animal you're bringing for sacrifice is still in really good condition. So you make the journey, you get to the temple, and you buy the animal. So there's nothing wrong with that part of it. However, robber is the same word that is used for Barabbas for insurrectionists, for rebels. And what seems to be happening is that there are evil men in the temple who believe that as long as they're in the temple, things are okay. Here's the reverse that I've heard from people a lot. They feel unworthy to go into church. As if somehow walking into the church building is they're like going to get struck with lightning or light on fire or something because of all of their sin. The opposite is happening in the temple. Evil men are in the temple hiding out, thinking as long as I'm within the holiness of the temple, everything is good. So Jesus goes in and he overturns these tables and he disrupts everything happening in the temple. And then he walks away and they see this fig 
And Peter's like, wow, look at that fig. And, Peter, and Jesus says, have faith in God. Let me say it a different way. You do not need to have faith in the temple. It will not change anything. You do not need to have faith in a particular person. It will not change anything. You need to have your faith directed toward God and God alone. He is the one who can answer your prayers. And that's why he goes on. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We'll talk more about that at the end. But this whole thing is about prayer. Have faith in God. Every institution, every person, they will let you down at some point. None of them are perfect. And you do not need to be perfect to come into the church. I mean, if you needed to be perfect to come into the church, all of us need to get out, right? Have faith in God. Faith is enough. You do not need to wear certain things. You do not need to be certain places. You do not need to have a certain person pray for you. Faith is enough. So I drive a lot. And in my family, I tend to do most of the driving. Although slowly my daughter is doing more of it. But as I do the driving, I notice that sometimes people in the passenger seat have doubts about my driving. And you notice that because either you see them pushing on the brake that isn't there because they want you to stop sooner than you are, or certain noises, or, you know, this, and, and I think, golly, just trust me here. Well, now that my daughter is driving and I'm in the passenger seat, guess what I'm doing? The exact same thing. I find myself trying to grab that, that pet, you know, the brake that isn't there. And uh, what's interesting is, you can break all you want in the passenger seat and it won't do anything. You can slam your foot as hard as you want. You can break your foot on the floor of that car if you want to. It still will not stop the car. You have to have your faith in the right thing. Faith is enough. Number two, a little faith is enough. It does not take a whole lot. A little faith is enough. So you'll notice in this passage here where he talks about, you know, throwing the mountain into the sea if you just don't doubt. And the same imagery he uses at a different point. So there is a father who wants to get a demon cast out of his son. And nobody seems to be able to do it. And Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. This is a generation that is lacking faith. He comes up to the father and says, do you want this to happen? And the father says, yes. And he says, do you believe? And the father says, I believe. Help my unbelief. So notice where the father is. I do believe, but I also struggle with my belief. I believe, but I have doubts. Anybody relate to that? I believe, but I have doubts. And you know what? It's enough. Jesus cast the demons out of the boy. 
And then he goes on and he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, not a golf ball or a baseball or a cantaloupe or a bowling ball, just the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, fly away, and it will just jump up and fly away. Again, we'll talk about that. A little faith is enough. If you are at a point where you think, I do believe, but I also struggle, that is okay. A little faith is enough. And God can do an incredible amount with a little faith. So, Corey Ten Boom was arrested by the Nazis along with the rest of her family. She was, they were hiding Jews during the Holocaust. She was imprisoned. She and her sister were eventually sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp. Her sister, Betsy, would die there just days before Corey was released. When she got out, she began a post-war home for camp survivors trying to recover. She also began to travel and to talk about God's forgiveness. She would travel all over the country, teaching, preaching about God's forgiveness. One day, this comes out of her autobiography. She writes, It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing in and out of the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland. I wanted to preach the forgiveness of God. When I saw him working his way against the others, in a moment, I knew. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. The man walked up to her. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there. He didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did. I would like to hear it from your lips. He held out his hand. And he asked me, will you forgive me? I just stood there. I whose sins had every day to be forgiven. And I could not forgive him. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours that I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do, for I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. And I stood there, coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. 
And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. A current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you with all my heart. And for a long moment, we just grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. A little faith is enough. She didn't feel it. She didn't want it. She said, Jesus, help me, and lifted up a hand. God can do an incredible amount with a little faith. A little faith is enough when rightly directed. Our faith has to go to the right place. It has to aim the right direction. So in here, we read about these mountains. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, it will happen. Has anyone ever seen someone hurl a mountain? Is that because people lack the faith to do it? Or is it because Jesus was using hyperbole? I would suggest to you that never did Jesus envision a bunch of Christians standing around hurling mountains. Do you know what that would do to our planet? Um, That much like if I say to you, I have read that book a million times. Did any of you ever stop to go, no, you didn't. (laughs) You didn't really read it a million times. No, I didn't. You're right. But he's making a point. It does not take much for God to do a whole lot. God's ability to answer prayer is gigantic. And it doesn't take a lot of faith on our part. But we need to do two things. Number one, put your faith, or in the words of Jesus, have faith in God. As opposed to, and please hear this, as opposed to your prayer, the amount of faith you can rustle up, because here's what I've heard people say, I just don't have enough faith to do this. Can you pray for it? In fact, this is going to take a whole lot. This is a really big thing. We need to get multiple people to pray for it. Do you understand what that sounds like? As long as I can get enough people, then I'll obligate God to do something. And if I can't get enough people, then God's not big enough to do it. We just need to keep working harder and harder and harder. Doesn't that move our faith toward works? You trust in God. I said in the first sermon, prayer itself is not powerful. God is powerful. He is the one who does what might be asked for. But just because we say a certain thing or say it a certain way or, you know, we have these beautifully written prayers and everything else, that doesn't do anything. God is the one who does it. When we have our little faith, it needs to be rightly directed toward our Father and trusting in Him. 
Don't put so much pressure on yourself that you think, I just have to believe harder. Or I just got to gather more people. And as long as we get this whole mob together, then God's going to do it. It is not a bad thing to pray together. But it doesn't obligate God to answer any more than when you pray by yourself. A little faith is enough, but believe in God as the focal point. And then number two, this is in 1 John. If you want to turn to 1 John in your Bible, it is back on page 1741. 1741. 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You do not have to have doubts about that. I've heard people in this church who have occasionally wondered where they might go when they die. Do you believe in Jesus? If you do, you have eternal life. Continuing verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he will hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. One of our directions of prayer is to pray according to the will of God. So let me give you a couple of examples here. If I want to pray that this particular top of this microphone would change to be green like that one over there, Lord, change this to green. Notice it didn't happen. It probably won't because I really don't think God's will is to change this microphone into a green microphone. Now, that's a dumb, simple one. But there's other things we might pray for, too, that, you know, maybe is not what God would have for us. If things don't line up with God's will revealed in his scriptures, we should not expect God to respond to those prayers. And at the same time, when you are Corey Ten Boom and you know that God wants you to forgive, notice what she said in the autobiography. I have to do this. Because she knew what God's will was. And when she prayed according to what she knew God's will was, God responded to that prayer. But we need to know his will. We need to know his character. We need to know the kinds of things that God wants from his people. Some things we may not want to do. And yet, a prayer with little faith rightly directed is the kind of prayer that God listens to. My message this morning... It is very simple. A little faith is enough when rightly directed. My hope is that as you think about prayer, you might put less pressure on yourself and more energy into loving your Father. That whatever faith you do have, you'll bring that to Him. And part of your prayer may be, help me with my unbelief. And that's okay, too, because he's your father and he wants to. 
So what I've noticed about passwords is that they're having to become more complicated. Anyone notice as you enter a new password, it's gone from enter anything you want. I mean, I think you used to have like a four-letter password on things. Now you have to enter at least eight characters with one capital and one lowercase and one number and one strange character. And then you enter it in and it says things like, nope, this has already been used. Try something more. I mean, it's getting harder and harder to just find a password that will actually work because they want it to be so complicated. Prayer should not be that way. It should not be complicated. Come before your father. Share your heart. Believe in him and what he's capable of doing. Know what his will is. Pray according to that. That's prayer. Let's pray. Father, we know that your word has been given for the benefit, for the growth, for the direction and encouragement of your people. And so we pray this morning that we would take home a lesson on prayer that might encourage us and help us to feel more comfortable as we come before you. Lord, thank you that we have the opportunity to seek you at any point that we want to. Lord, thank you that you hear us. In Jesus' name, amen.